0: I love the idea of, of coming to church um, and being set up for life. Not just hearing a whole bunch of brilliant scriptures, but how does that apply to me? And so that by coming here into this environment, you hear some stuff, biblical truths that set you up for a great Monday. And, and you know what? Can we talk real today? Because there are certain things that we skirt around and it's just not my style, not just a nail it. And we all have certain issues, and I'm going to hit on one today that I, think, I actually think everyone in this room will relate to at one level or another. Um, does anyone watch um, the Steve Backshaw show, The Deadly 60? Is it just me? Good, thanks, guys. Well, well Dave, I saw you at the back. Dave watches it. Um, the Deadly 60 is Steve Backshaw is this, like, animal guy um, who goes around the world showing us some of the deadliest creatures on the planet. And some of them, you know, some of the deadliest creatures are little bitty things. Like the deadliest spiders, I think. Is it the red back or something? It's about the size of your fingernail. You've got all these great bird-eating things. You're like, whoa! But they're not actually that bad for you. But these little things like these, you get a little bite by one of them. You have had it. Unless the Lord brings you back... And they'd go through snakes and just all these uh, amazing, amazing things. Frogs. One of the frogs is like got the most poison in it. It's just stuff. And me and my children occasionally watch it and we got into it. And we watched it the other weekend and it just reminded me of it. And uh, so he calls it the deadliest things on the planet. But you know what? I think there is something deadlier on the planet that all of us will relate to. And that thing is insecurity. I believe insecurity is robbing everyone of life. It's robbing us of who we could be because of maybe what we've been through. And we mask it, and we deal with it, and we get on with it, but there has to be a better way. So I'm calling this preach, if you like titles, It's stolen too much, dot, 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 insecurity. (laughs) It's the root of so many breakdowns in relationship. How many of you have been through, felt like, or seen someone else go through a situation where one partner looks at the other one and says, I saw you looking at him. What are you looking at him for? You fancy him. I've seen people, you know, the the guy say to the girl, Oh, I spent a long time talking to that one, didn't you? I saw it. I thought we were out together. You're talking to them. Do you know where that stems from? Insecurity. Because you know what? I'm totally secure in my relationship with Sarah. And occasionally, a handsome guy will past, and it's okay she notices. You know, she's not blind. But I don't go, oh, well, you look at him. He's so buff. <laughs> and I don't lose the plot go, oh, you fancy him. That means you don't fancy me. Which obviously she does. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've even felt like that at times. And these things ruin relationship. You just don't compliment me enough. And of course, men, I'm aiming at you particularly, compliment your woman. In fact, I'm setting you up right now, you could do it even right now. Give her a look and go, honey, (laughs) looking good. Men, you can thank me later. We need compliments but let's not be so needy that we need compliments all of the time just to feel okay about ourselves. And we all know people like that. And maybe we've lived in that space. And the root of that is insecurity. It steals dreams. Some people have a dream in their heart to do something different with their life, but they've been so comfortable in this zone, it's become their security. And so to lose that security and step into something which would be so much better can never happen because then we become insecure. And we're scared of it. And so it's actually our insecurity holding us in our comfort zone. I've got a thought for you about comfort zones. Um, Comfort zones don't keep you safe. They keep you small. And how about we get secure enough to step out of what we've always known and try something new? because we're not so insecure that it might go wrong, it it would matter. Am I speaking real? Sometimes we hate the idea of losing what's been our security and ultimately the root of it is insecurity. I've told this story once before a little while ago, but it just so fits, so I'm gonna tell it again. But we painted our house um, last summer and we live in a three-story house and it's got a big peak on it. And at the top of the peak, it's 12 meters high. And um, I don't know if you can picture that, but but it's high. And um, you have to paint right up to the peak. And so we got some quotes in, and it was like a gazillion pounds to get a professional in and and rent rent all the scaffold and stuff. So we uh, asked some questions, and we found a company who we knew the owner, who gave us some scaffold for free on the basis we put it up. And it was one of those ones that was on wheels, and you could move it about, and it was so wide. And we, we said, oh, we could do that. That's all right, you know. And uh, so we put up the first level, coming up to about this high. And so I climbed up there, and we put our own platform down. Now, you've got to bear in mind, the scaffold at the moment isn't all secure, because I am putting it up. So the arms are wobbling around like this, and the platform's a little bit like this. And so I get on there, and then I put the brace in, and I put the other brace in. It secures itself. Yeah, this is great. But then you've got to go up another level. And so, so Sarah is passing me up the plank and I put the plank on and chuck that on and I, I climb up a, a bit of a wobbly pole and I get up there and I put the brace on and I put the brace on. Oh, it's quite secure. But then I've got to go up another level. And who knows when you're going up to another level, you start to brick it a little bit. And Sarah is now passing up what is really feeling like quite a heavy plank. It was actually the same weight as the previous plank, but I'm higher up now, it's feeling heavy. I'm standing on these things wobbling about a bit, I'm about, you know, I'm about the first floor, I'm about, you know, the next floor down to where we are. If I'm falling here now, I'm going to hurt myself a bit. I'm probably not going to bounce. And so I'm like this, and I'm holding this thing up, and i got it up there, and i planked it on, and and I, I called up for the next one and braced it in, and now I'm above the second window of the house. So it's getting quite high. I'm looking down, and Sarah's beginning to look like a dot. And I said, oh, pass up the next brace. That's the next brace. My Josh started getting the giggles, because he could see my legs giving it one of them. <laughs> oh, Josh, it's not funny. It's not funny, Josh. <laughs> and she passed this thing up. And of course, it's, it was reasonably heavy. And of course, you're now leaning over from about six meters up in the air. Nothing, obviously, health and safety is not even involved. I'm putting this thing up, and I got it up, then I put it on there, and I thought, right, well, i could grab three more levels yet. Oh, I can do this. i can get up the next level. Oh, I just lost it. I was just like, oh, I was all like this. And I said, I don't know, I can do it. Do it. Uh, and you're six metres up in the air, or probably seven metres by now, and you think if you get a bit lower, it's safer. So I'm getting lower and lower. I say, pass up the next one. I didn't want to look over the edge. I'm like, eh. Pass up the X one, and she passed it up, and I was oh, i losing it. In the end, I was laying on the thing like this. I was laying down like this. Pass it up, I'll be all right. As if I fell off laying down was going to make a difference, but it feels better. We decided I turned into the slug. <laughs> I was laying there because it felt like Josh is absolutely crying with laughter. And I, so I just came down. I couldn't do it. I called in Uncle Dan. Where's Uncle Dan? Give us a wave wherever you are. Uncle Dan at the back there. Uncle Dan gets up there and totally embarrasses me. He just shimmies up the side, yeah, past it, up the, next, up the He's up there. I was like, yeah, I could, I could have done it. I just didn't want to make you look bad. But, but he just gets up there. It's like, unbelievable. But me, slug. And this is the point I'm making. When it wasn't secure, I lost my security and I became insecure. And when I became insecure, I turned into the slug. How many of us? are living lives like the slug. So you all laughed at me, but now you're a bunch of slugs. (laughs) But you get the point I'm making. I hope I've made that in a funny way, but it's real. Because those people who are insecure about themselves in a relationship, they're not living secure, they're not acting normal, they're all like this the whole time, and actually it's really unattractive. And so in you trying to be secure in this relationship and being unsecure, you become less attractive to your partner, which makes the whole thing less secure. And so you're fighting for something and fighting a losing battle. And the issue all along isn't that you're not attractive, isn't that you've got a great personality, isn't that you bring something to the relationship that's great. The thing ruining is your insecurity. And we don't believe in ourselves enough. The world promotes security through things like popularity, things, titles, money, possessions. These are the things that the world says brings you security. Uh, How many people play the lottery? By the way, it's not a huge sin. I'm not going to go, burn! (laughs) (laughs) People play the lottery. And the reason they play that is because they think if they won the millions, it brings them security. And yet history says, and there's TV programs about it, that people who have won the lottery, their lives have been ruined. Because they couldn't handle it. It didn't bring security. It actually made it worse. And so the things the world promotes as giving you security actually often do the reverse. And so I love to point to the word. Psalm 20 verse 7 says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, when you're talking about chariots and horses, you're talking about things. You're talking about possessions. Possessions. You're talking about the things that the world looks at to say, that's going to make me great. But the reality is, what happens when the horse dies? What happens when the chariot's wheels fall off? What happens when it rots? It doesn't stay. And so therefore, at that point, you lose your security. But we, trust in the name of the Lord our God who, by the way, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchangeable. And when your security is found in something that is unchangeable, your security is secure forever. But our question as people in church on a Sunday morning is do we actually put our trust in the name of the Lord or do we actually do something different? And I think actually we do a bit of both. And my challenge to you today is come on, let's really live it. Let's really believe it. Here's a thought for you. Insecurity is loud. You see, when someone is insecure, everyone knows. Insecure people, and it's probably all of us at one level or another, think no one else knows. I'm telling you, everyone else knows. And the trouble is we try to keep it in the dark, but actually if we were... I'm saying actually lots of I? but actually... If we were to bring it into the light, there's healing uh, available. And the trouble is we need to get beyond ourselves and bring it to the light, to deal with it so that God can heal it. Insecurity displays itself in lots of ways. We talked about people who won't try anything new because they're trying to stay secure in their little zone. Won't try anything new, but it's holding them. Actually, it's insecurity. There's people who never say anything. The quiet person is always at the back and won't share an opinion or a thought. And I'm well aware that we're all different and there's different personality traits. And it's good that some people are noisier and some people are quieter, that's cool. But the person who will never share an opinion, ultimately it's insecurity. Because what they're worried about is if their opinion isn't accepted and then people won't like them anymore. And so they shy away at the back and you will all know someone like that and you know that they're insecure but they think they're just trying to stay everyone's friend, insecurity is loud, there are people the opposite of that there are people who are too loud, who come into a room and announce themselves and then they don't stop talking and the reality is they won't stop talking because if there's a moment of silence a question might be asked that reveals who they really are and so if they keep the place of noise, 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 no one will ask that question That's ultimately insecurity. So you get two extremes of the same issue working itself out in a different way. What about this one? You're going to know this one. Imagine you've done something amazing. And what I thought of me is when Lizelle jumped out of the plane last year, I think she jumped, was it about 7,000 feet she jumped out of? Now for Lizelle, that's an amazing, amazing experience. Has anyone ever jumped out of a plane? Not many of us. A couple of people jumped out of a plane. So it's, that's, a, that's a thing, isn't it? Why is it that there's always this person, you go there, oh, I had an amazing experience of the weekend, oh, I jumped out of a plane 7,000 feet, oh, it took my breath away, we were hitting 100 miles an hour, and I thought he was never gonna pull the cord, and we were getting closer, and closer. <gasps> oh, but when he pulled the cord, oh, it was just incredible. And the person you're talking to says, yeah, I did that once from 10,000 feet. <laughs> Ultimately, that's insecurity. Because you can't celebrate someone else's victory. You have to tell them you're better than them. And we all know someone like that. Maybe we've lived in that space ourselves. The root of it is insecurity. And it's not attractive. And it's not God's highest. And it keeps you small. You don't need to trump everyone. I, I, I used to know a guy called Mark Kinsella. He played for Cultures United years ago. And he went on to great things. He played for Aston Villa and Charlton. Uh, he was just a, you know... A Premier League football player and uh, I played for Braintree Town towards the end of my career and we had some evening games and often he knew a couple of the players and he'd come and watch and uh, after the game he would sit in the bar with just a couple of his friends and quietly have a drink and discuss the game and just keep himself to himself but then you've got the older semi professional players who come in who think they're proper oh did you see what I nutmegged him oh did you say oh what a goal I scored bigging it up massively and yet Mark, Mark Kinsella just sits in the corner, just chatting to himself, you know, chatting to his mates, probably not chatting to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I do well? It was really good, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sat with all his mates, yeah, yeah. And he just chat and, and I, I noticed it and I just watched over and, you know, all these guys came out telling you how great they were. But the following month, Mark Kinsella played in the World Cup for the Republic of Ireland against Germany. Half the planet watching him. And yet he didn't have to tell anyone. Do you know why? Because he was secure in how good a footballer he was. He didn't need to tell you. All these lads come in who were good footballers, but they had to tell everyone. Because in reality, they needed to tell everyone because they weren't really secure in their gift. But Mark would sit there. And he was the best player in the room. But he was just polite, and quiet, and kind, and encouraging. Oh, I've, noti- I've remembered it ever since. And I saw him, and uh, you know, Daniel and I were looking, and they had an amazing, the Republic of Ireland did brilliant. They, they didn't lose a game. They actually got knocked out on penalties by Spain. And he played alongside Roy Keane in the centre of the park. You know, he came back and got signed by Aston Villa for millions of pounds. He was a proper player. And yet, just humble, encouraging, kind, didn't big it up, because he had security. And I wonder whether we could be a bunch of people who could become secure in every area of our life because we focus on the Lord. So that would enable us to be kind, to compliment someone, to cheer someone on when they do well, and not have to tell everyone about how good we are. I, I love that about people when they walk into a room and they don't have to tell you how good they are, someone else tells you how good they are. Uh, I went to a, a leaders training session over the weekend with Daniel and um, at, at Peter Prothero's church actually. Who's coming here? And they're, they're a very big church, so they got their serving team together, and their serving team was a hundred people. And so they got all these people in the room. And it was really nice because they were introducing to me and uh, us to different people. And I didn't have to go in there and go, "Oh, you know, you should come to our church. It's amazing, because you are, by the way." And, and oh, you know, this, that, and the other. I didn't say anything. People would introduce me and go. Oh, this is Barry and Daniel. from They lead a great church. Oh, when Barry speaks, it's great. And Daniel's got a leadership gift. his life. They were bigging us up. We didn't have to big ourselves up. And isn't that how you want it to be? It's much better when someone else tells someone how good you are rather than you tell someone how good you are because it speaks of security. Wouldn't it be great to live in a space where you are genuinely, genuinely secure and content with who you are with what you've got, with the people you know, with where you're headed, you are actually proper secure in all of it. Because I think that's Jesus' heart. That is Jesus' heart. Now we wrestle with that. I, I believe every person on the planet has a wrestle with insecurity. And it has nothing to do with power, status, money, or lack of all that. We all have a wrestle with it. Hands up if you know Donald Trump. Well, you might not know him, but you know who he is. (laughs) Obviously, me and Don, we go back miles. He, he arguably, I think the world would say is the most powerful man on the planet. President of America, that is a term they would use. What's going on with his barnet? (laughs) See, for me, that is the most secure, you you know, it's staring me in the face that he's insecure about how he looks, yet he's the most powerful man on the planet. You know, he has a trophy wife. Now, does he ask himself, does this amazingly incredible Miss Whatever She Was woman love me for who I am, or because I'm a billionaire and I'm the president of America? You see, there's a whole lot of insecurity for me as I look at Donald Trump surrounding him, yet he's the most powerful man on the planet. And if the most powerful man on the planet can wrestle with insecurity, I think me and you probably can too. But the answer is always Jesus. If we want to be secure people, the answer is Jesus. If there are any group of people group on the planet that should be the most secure on the planet, it's Christians. Mm-hmm. And yet I think the reality is that I'm speaking to you all today because we all have a bit of a wrestle with insecurity, which begs the question, could we get a bit closer to Jesus and find our secure place in him? Where does it all start? The horrible thing about insecurity is it's rarely, if ever, your fault. Insecurity can start in the womb before you even take your first breath on this world. You know, because if mum or dad say you were an accident, that brings insecurity straight away. We didn't want you. If you're a boy and mum and dad openly say we wanted a girl, it brings insecurity straight away. You weren't even born yet. If mum and dad are rowing about you and one wants an abortion and one doesn't want an abortion and one really wanted you and one didn't want you and you end up coming into this planet, insecurity, before you even breathe the breath. And I pray for people who have lived through that and maybe some of you have. But it's never your fault, but it becomes something you wrestle with a lot of your life unless you get to Jesus and give it to Jesus. You know the, the Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, "There's power of life and death in the tongue," and so if parents are speaking over their unborn child, and then later in life speaking over their born child, negativity, there is power in that. And if mum and dad say, "You're useless," if mum and dad say, "You're never going to amount to much," if mum and dad said, "You let me down again," if mum and dad say, "Shut up," it breeds insecurity. And then you enter adulthood as a man or a woman full of insecurity. And it wasn't your fault. But nevertheless, it's there. The answer is Jesus, the one who brings security. It can stem from the relationship with your mum and dad where there was no affirmation. How many children do you know grow up whose dad never said to them, I love you? Whose mum never said, you're amazing? Me and Sarah make it our thing every day. I'm going to say five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day. Our children get told they're amazing. The result? They're amazing. And all your parents there, it's our responsibility. Set your kids up to win. Affirm them. Let them know how valuable they are. Grandparents, you can ramp it up as well. Tell your grandkids, you're amazing. We're proud of you. I want to hang out with you. I'm going to promote you. Because it sets them up secure in who they really are. It can stem from a failed venture. Maybe you pushed a door and it didn't go well and you lost your confidence and therefore became insecure. Maybe you started a business or wanted to and it didn't go well and you lost your confidence and therefore your security. But I want to say this, often it isn't the failed venture that brings insecurity, it's you worrying about how people think about you failing your venture. You're actually more concerned with what people think than what actually happened, because that's how we, we relate as people. Broken relationships, cheating on each other breeds insecurity. And you might be in a relationship and your partner, or years ago, been in a relationship your partner cheated on you. It wasn't your fault. But now you're this insecure person. Why? Because you're worried it's gonna happen again wasn't your fault. But you can see how all through life there's so many opportunities to lose who you really are and your security. And then the planet is walking around insecure. And it's just not the highest life. It's not what God planned. It's not what God wants for you. And if only we could look to him for our security, what would the church look like? What would your life look like? What if you were free to be who you really are in a relationship? What if you were free to really push that door and have a go at something? And you know what, if it blew up in my face, I know I tried. What if we had a go and it went wrong, but you're in a group of people who love you and say, good on you for trying, come on, we'll pick you up, we'll look at something else, rather than, hey, you failed, which is how we live sometimes. Insecurity can stem from bullying, and that happens in adulthood. That happens in the workplace in some relationships yes it happens in school life but don't just think it's a kids issue Bullying's a thing and it makes people insecure and frightened and all of these things are actually attacking who you are that's the issue it's not what you did it's who you are it's an assault on your identity and it's not letting you free to be you and then you try and be someone else and you're never any good at being someone else and it's just this difficult life and so I feel like God said to me today come on let's talk real I am sick and tired of watching people I care for live like the slug when actually you're an amazing person so gifted I don't know whether your parents spoke over you or not but I know this you were planned because my God formed you in the womb my God put dreams inside of you Heaven rejoiced when you breathed your first breath. I believe heaven rejoices every time you get out of bed in the morning, and I believe hell goes, "Oh dear, they're awake." But what would it look like if we were really secure in ourselves because of our security in our Father? Couldn't we be that bunch of people? What would life look like if we were to live like that? I just want to share you just one story from from the Word. Uh, a guy you may or may not be familiar with, a guy called Benaya. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, "Benaya." Um, the name Benaya means he builds up. Love that. If you're thinking of quirky names for your kids in the future, that's pretty cool, isn't it? What a great thing to have on your life. Who would like to hang around with someone who's always building you up? We could deal with a few Benayas in our life. Not to be confused with bananas. <laughs> he builds up. Uh, I, I love that. And we find him here in 2 Samuel 23, uh, verses 20 to 23. There he is. Beniah, son of Je- him. <laughs> a valiant fighter from Kabzil. He performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. That's a proper way to do it. (laughs) Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehadiah, Uh, He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in great honor more than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. So here's the situation. King Saul is attacking David. Even though David defeated Goliath for King Saul and served him well, he's running away for fear of his life now. And what happens is David's demonstrated his character. And when you demonstrate character, you attract mighty men. They're happy to serve with you. That's why as a church, we're beginning to demonstrate character. And what's happening is mighty men and women are joining the church because they say there's something happening here. This guy, Beniah was a mighty warrior. You read the things that happened to him. He killed a lion on a snowy day. He killed the huge Egyptian with the Egyptian spear in your face. He was a mighty warrior. But all these mighty men were gathering around Dave and he was like, this is awesome. And he started to categorize them. He gave three people, three of those mighty warriors, the top rank. Benaiah, even though he was amazing, wasn't given one of those births. He was made a bodyguard. So think of it from Benaiah's point of view. He is epic, but he looks around and someone else has been given the title as being more epic. Now, an insecure person goes into their shell at that. Even though he's super talented, super amazing, when he sees someone is better at what he's good at, does he become insecure? You know, I like to preach. I'm glad you guys half like to listen to me. But what happens when I come under an anointing of someone who's a better preacher than me? Do I suddenly think I'm a rubbish preacher? No, I don't, because I'm secure in my gift and I celebrate theirs. But so many people are gifted, gifted people. When they're not given a top berth, they just withdraw and become insecure. And here's Benaiah. What does he do? See, he wanted to be a leader of the army. He wanted to be standing alongside the king. He wanted to be the best of the best. But he wasn't deemed best of the best. He got given bodyguard. Oh, brilliant! Not even getting a thick of the battle. I'm going to stay at the back with David. But he didn't withdraw and he wasn't insecure. I find him so inspiring when you read his story about how gifted he was and yet how he was overlooked for the top position and yet he was faithful. He said, Okay, I'm secure in who I am, I'm secure in the gifting I've got, I will serve wherever you want me to serve. As a church leader, I am crying out for a church with that attitude. I'm super gifted. But you know what? If you don't want to give me the platform, I'll serve. You know, I'm super gifted, but if you don't want me to lead a team, I'll clean the toilets. You know, sometimes in church life, I think that's a thing. You almost need to get people to clean the toilets to see if they've got an attitude or not. So, any volunteers? (laughs) But seriously, we're looking for people of character. So here is this Benaiah, super gifted, but he demonstrates character. He didn't become insecure because he was overlooked. He just served faithfully. Uh, I, I love reading some of Mother Teresa's quotes, you know, an inspirational woman, a question. And uh, she just says some, some great, great things. And uh, here's, a, here's a, a quote of hers on the screen here. God has not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. And the trouble is we're so success-driven that if we don't succeed where we thought we were going to, it can knock us and we can end up insecure. Whereas actually, if we say, God, you made me, you put this dream in my heart, you gifted me, I'm just going to be faithful. Whatever comes is up to God then, but you choose to stay secure and be faithful. And I love that. Now, I'm a success-driven person. Now, I want to see this church cranking and busy and multiple services and changing the world. But I'm also just going to be faithful because God will be with his church. And I hope with whatever your dream is that you can just even from today think I'm going to be secure in who I am and what God's given me. I'm just going to be faithful. And if God causes me to be successful, awesome. And I believe he will. But so often at the beginning he wants to test how faithful you're going to be. I love this. 1 Kings 2 a little bit later on. Chapter 35. David has passed away. His son Solomon is now king. King Solomon put Beniah, son of Jehadiah, over the army of Joab's position and placed Abithar. I'm not going to read that. You get the gist of it. He served faithfully even when he wasn't given the position he really wanted. But then he got to serve two generations. In the second generation, he was given the top slot, the leader of the army. Why? Because he didn't lose his security because he was overlooked. He chose to believe in who he was and just be faithful. And in his faithfulness, God gave him the success. But I I just believe this is awesome for him, but even if that hadn't happened for him, I believe he was content in who he was. And I guess my challenge to you today is, Can you be content in who you are and be faithful? And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, your God might promote you. But more than that, can you just be content? Can you be secure in who you really are? You know, if you're a single person today, don't be an insecure single person. Be content. It is so attractive to to someone who you might like to meet one day that you're secure. Insecurity is unattractive. It's needy. Who wants to get married to a really needy person? There you go. Let's not be needy. Let's get the issue out into the light and let God heal it. Because if you're someone wrestling with this stuff today and you're thinking, oh, I get some of that, I'm living like that. Well, let's stop being the slug and start living like the people God called us to be. And the answer in all of that is Jesus. Here's a couple of security checks for you. How are you with risk are you able to step into new things freely even if it means stepping away from something that's been secure for you for a long time how are you with generosity if you struggle with generosity is it because if you give stuff away you're worried you won't have more stuff and so your security is in your stuff not in the source Because I believe the way God works is if you're generous with your stuff, He will give you more stuff. So you can be generous with your stuff. He gives seed to the sower. That's how the Bible puts it. Mm -hmm. This is seed. And so often we have a fruit mentality. Oh, God, you've given me this. (laughs) It's mine. Whereas actually, it's seed. And when you sow it, it bears fruit, and He gives you more seed. But people who are insecure wrestle with that concept because they're worried well, if I give it away, I won't have any stuff. And this is where my security lies I've got stuff. Do you see? How are you with relationships? Do you bond easily? Do you push people away? Do you keep relationships at arm's length? Are you always protecting yourself? Do you have relationship struggles? Have you been hurt previously? Is it affecting you now? These are good questions to ask yourself because it will show you something about where your security is at. But I know this, and I'll keep saying it the answer, the healing comes from Jesus. Yeah. The wholeness comes from Jesus. I love the fact that true security can make you the best cheerleader. You know, it's a, a goal I have in my life, that whoever gets around me just gets built up and encouraged. You know, Beniah, what a great name. The reason I can do that is because I'm securing who I am. And if you go on and do better than me, good for you. You know? Brilliant. You know, it's interesting. We've got some quite wealthy people in the church and, um, and come around, they've got a new car, or a guy recently just got a new motorbike. And he ca- they come around, they show you the car or their motorbike. And do you know what, I'm genuinely like, yes, go on. You're doing it. Of course there's a little bit of me that wants that motorbike and wants that car. <laughs> of course, I'm a person. I am genuinely chuffed that they're fulfilling their dreams because I'm secure in what I've got, you know? So there are people who give their left arm to be where you're at in life, and yet we also want what someone else has got. How about being secure in what you have? It's love without condition because there's no competition. If insecurity ultimately is the result of an attack on your personhood, how about we find our personhood from our maker? Because then no attack can ever take it away from you. Uh, I love it that the word says that he formed you in the womb. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the word fearfully is is to do with reverence. He took time. He didn't go, whew, fearfully. He was like, I'm taking time over this person. They're an important person. I love this person. I'm going to put a dream in them. I'm going to give them dark hair. and I'm, I'm going to give these ones short legs, but they're going to be cool legs. And this one's going to have blue eyes. And this one's going to be awesome creativ- with creativity in, in art. They're born and they grow into the gifts. And the Father's in heaven going, yes, yes. And yet along the way, that amazing person has incidences in their life which rob them of their security. And instead of in later life becoming this amazing artist which God always planned, they never achieved that because they stopped trying. And it was robbed from them. And yet when we can go back to the Father and say, what did you plan for me? Something sparks up in us. Because God is never asking you to be someone you're not. He's asking you to be the best version of you. You don't need to be me and I don't need to be you. And you don't need to be the person that sat next to you. You need to be you and be secure in all of that. He gifted you. He showed his commitment to you. You know, I believe Jesus hanging on the cross is the greatest love letter in the world. You know, we, everyone knows that in church and out generally. The picture of Jesus on a cross. But it was God's love letter. He says, I love you. You'll have loads of people say, Jesus loves you. And he does. He demonstrated it. By saying, I actually give my life for you. I wonder how many people you'd give your life for. But he loves you. I just want to round this up. Just with what we got as six scriptures talking about you. And I could have found 66. I could have found 166. The word is full of amazing things about you. And who you are, and how God feels about you. And if you'd give that your attention, I believe insecurity would become a distant figure in your life. And security would come, and you'd stand up and be the person God called you to be, and you will love it. Colossians 2, verse 10 says this In Christ you have been brought to fullness, He is the head over every power and authority. You are complete. When something is full, It is to the top. It's complete. You're not lacking. You're good as you are. That's God's word for you. Philippians 4.19 says this, My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You lack nothing. Because God has got everything. He is the creator of the universe. He's not struggling for some stuff and so as you engage with him you might need some things and he will supply according to his riches you lack nothing Ephesians 2:10 says this you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do some great stuff God created you carefully and he's given you purpose you know I consider life without God and if i took God out of it you start thinking what is the purpose What is the point of it all? Do I come from nowhere, live for what, and then go nowhere? Is that it? Or was I created on purpose to live a life for purpose, to end up in eternity with my Father? That's how I want to live. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. You're a winner. God's Word says so. I'm not trying to say a bunch of nice things to you here. I'm speaking the Bible to you. You are amazing. God says so. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says this. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Why is it so often in life we find ourselves following everyone else? When he said, no, no, no. I want you to lead and people to follow your example because you're living how I called you to live. All these people wrestling with insecurity in life need to look at you who've broken out of insecurity and live insecure so you become the head. I want to live like you. I want to feel like you. I want to have the freedom you've got. Well, yeah, that's because I know Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. And Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says this, because of his great love for you, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it's by grace you have been saved. Jesus was God's love letter to you. And he decided he loved you before you decided anything on him. You might be in church today thinking I don't even know if I believe in God and that's cool. but God believes in you. And you might be sitting here today, going, well I believe in God but I'm not really sure about all this and that's okay. but God loves you anyway. He has decided. And when you can engage with the creator of heaven and earth who has decided he loves you, it frees you up. And I believe God is looking for a whole gang of people to fully grasp who we are. So that if a relationship goes wrong, if a business venture goes wrong, if mum and dad don't affirm us, although that's difficult, I'm still secure because my God is the same all of the time. If things don't go my way and someone lets me down, I don't lose all my security because my security is not in that stuff. My security is in who God says I am. And yes, it's difficult and painful, but I don't become the slug. I'm still me. And the great thing about being in a church is that when it does go wrong, we walk it out together. So you don't lose everything. We're in this life together and we are called as the church to demonstrate what a family looks like to the world that's desperately looking for family. And we can do that. So I don't know how much of that has spoken to you, but I believe something in there speaks to you. And my hope is that as we connect to the Father, there will be a bunch of people leaving this place more secure than the way they came in. Should we stand? I'd love to pray for you. I just want to invite you to close your eyes, and you don't have to, but if you're willing, it just gives the person next to you a bit of privacy. It just helps you focus. But that's cool if you don't want to. It's an invitation just to focus right now. Give God your attention. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he wants to do something amazing for you right now. Father, we look to you. It's just such an honor to be stood in your house with these amazing people, talking real life Lord it's my hope that you would set everyone up here to go and win in life to go and smash this life out of the park and represent heaven well but we acknowledge Lord God that we're people and we've been through some stuff and if we're getting it out in the light some of our security's been robbed and in some areas of life we're not living how you wanted us to live And Lord, we cry out to you because it wasn't our fault. We got wounded, we got hurt, we got squashed, we lost our way. But we come to you today, Father God, to say help. Put us back how you always wanted us to be. Spark up that dream again. Help us to look to you, the one who stays the same. Just with every eye closed, is there anyone today as yet? I've been wrestling with insecurity and I just want to get it out in the light today. I'm not going to ask you what your issues are, but if you give me a wave, I know who I'm praying for. Bless you, bless you, wow, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Wow, everywhere. Bless you guys. You can put your hands down. Now it's my heart never to embarrass anyone, but I encourage you. After service today, if you've raised your hands, I encourage you to go and speak to someone who you know can pray. If you're not sure who that might be, come and ask me. I'll, I'll hook you up with someone. But don't leave this place the same. Lord, I just lift up all of those people to you right now. I thank you for them. I thank you for the brilliant people they are, the gifts on their life, the hopes in their heart. But Lord God, we are acknowledging that we've been through some stuff that's robbed our security. But Lord, you've given us authority. You said, all authority is given to me. Now go and make disciples. I'm giving you the authority. So as lead pastor here, I take that authority and I break the power of those things that have hurt you. The memories, the words, the situations. I break their power over you and I speak Jesus into your life. The one who loves you. The one who cheers you on. The one who created you amazingly the one who will supply everything you need. And I say, look to him for your security and you'll go far. So would you spark into life a new level of confidence, Father God, in all these people to start believing in who you called us to be, to start believing again that you're our source of all of it and that you're our healer. And I pray, Lord God, over the next coming few days, even weeks, Lord God, that you'd bring complete wholeness to these people and they would begin to live different. And in it all, Jesus, you'd be glorified. But we would start living lives. We'd start having relationships. We'd start pushing doors from a place of security. And we won't be held by insecurity anymore. Jesus. Jesus. Just with every eye closed, I just want to make one last call. Is there anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus, is distant from Jesus, who maybe once knew Jesus, and maybe today's the day you want to put that right? Maybe today's the day you want to say, Jesus, I want to connect with you. I want to do life with you. I want to find my hope and security in you because I've just realized how much you love me. If that's you today, just give me a wave. We're going to pray together. Bless you there. Is there anyone else? Don't miss your moment. Just bless you the back there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna pray a prayer as a church. I'll say a line, you say a line, and we're just agreeing with a couple of people here who are making their peace with Jesus. This changes lives. Heaven rejoices. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you created me with purpose, with dreams, with gifts. I thank you for who I am and I accept you Jesus as my Lord, Savior and friend and I say come and live in my heart and lead me forward and all God's people said let's celebrate with heaven.